0: Niner
1: fans, we're back. And just like Rohan said, the last time me and him actually started, um, well, the first time we started creating content and started talking and everything was last year during training camp. And training camp is next week for the veterans. They start on the 25th. Today the rookies um, came into camp and they got to start and everything. You know, they're learning the, the ins and outs. They get a little preparation time before the veterans come and kick their ass. So um, it's, good, it's good, man, because football is just – around the corner man i'm excited i'm sure you're excited so real quick rohan i know training i know i'm going to training camp are you going to training camp this year
0: i will actually be there all nine days this year which is good got everything settled out finally uh figured out the ticket situation i know a lot of 49er fans are uh you know wilding out about that crazy fan base got a lot of love this year but uh we'll be there all nine days so we'll be able to report and uh do what I did last year again this year for all nine days.
1: Yeah, I'm excited, man. It'll be good. It's going to be fun to see all your content like you did last year. I'll be there too. Uh, pretty much should be there all nine days. I got all my tickets, but you're right, man. Ticketmaster, they couldn't handle the Niner Gang, man. Those tickets, it was so like I had someone that I knew I was going to get tickets, but I just like to get extra just in case. just You never know. And, man, those t- it was so hard to get tickets. The queue was going crazy, and then by the time you get past the queue, the tickets were out. It was a mess. Ticketmaster, fiasco, they gotta do better next year for the training camp tickets. Because the Niner fans want to go there. Make it a bigger venue. At, at the end of the day, they need to have all open practices at uh Levi Stadium next year. Make make it a, a grand event. But uh um, yeah, yeah, excited. I mean, I'm that excited. was a
0: it was a very interesting ticket release, really. I was looking, I was just wanting to get one for my brother, uh, for him to accompany me one day and uh yeah
1: waiting there that was an interesting wait for sure it was it was so um welcome uh, you know what welcome back everybody i know i haven't been on live for a long so welcome to the chat what's up everybody how's everybody doing hope everybody's been doing good um you know having a good off season whatever you guys have been doing maybe taking a vacation traveling working whatever you're doing i hope everybody's doing well but guess what football is here and that brings us with you know what what we got to talk about so there hasn't been a lot, obviously, because training camp's just starting. The off season is ramping up. Players are kind of just making sure they're training, getting their bodies right um, for the start of camp next week. And like I said, rookies are there, and they're they're getting you know uh, ramped up before everything goes next week. So one of the sagas right now, you know, before we get to anything really big, uh, Rohan and I were talking behind the scenes. There's there's something going on with the running backs in the NFL. As we know, a lot of these guys have kind of um, held back, held out, and they didn't really sign their contracts. Saquon Barkley, Josh, um, you know Richards from uh, or Josh Jacobs from the the uh, Raiders, and then uh, Tony Pollard, right? They didn't get signed. Yeah. And CMC, you know, he kind of went to back for them. He goes, "It's crazy that none of these three guys are getting the money they want." Like all the running backs are are backing them up. I don't know if you guys saw Brandon Ayukle yesterday though. He posted on his Instagram story, and he says something like, "These running backs are are talking like he kind of like." threw shade at the running backs, right? Like, he threw shade at the running backs. I was like, oh, damn. Nobody posted it, but I saw it on his story. Like, he was throwing shade at the running backs. He's like, these running backs think there's somebody. His wide receivers hold themselves in in high light. Like, they're the the divas of the NFL, and they know they get the big money-making contracts. But then it goes back to with CMC. Like, they paid him a lot of money. They they traded a lot for him last year at midseason point for a running back. And, And the league doesn't really respect Running backs, it seems like, like it's, it's, you know, you get a guy, bring him through a couple of years, you let him wear out his legs. And then when it comes time to pay him a contract, they're like, ah, we'll go with the rookie. We'll save some bucks. So, so what do you think? Do you think CMC is worth what we gave up to get him? Do you think running backs should be a higher value? Like what, what's your take on the whole situation?
0: There are two portions of it, right? The running back portion and the Christian McCaffrey portion, the way that I look at it, right. When we talk about the running back portion specifically, I, I mean, it's uh, as unfortunate as it is, that's just the way the NFL is. The 49ers, the the running back situation with the 40, I mean, not the 49ers, but in the, in the NFL, running backs in general have short shelf lives, uh, shelf lives. And I mean, the big really escalation to where we got today was the 2017 offseason where guys like Todd Gurley got a six-year, $90 million contract and quickly flamed out due to injuries. Ezekiel Elliott got a six-year, $90 million contract. He got cut midway through this deal. The Dallas Cowboys had to eat a lot of cap and really probably was there longer than expected when his production could no longer match what his contract was worth. And so you, you see some of these bigger deals, and you think to yourself, wow, most of these bigger deals really haven't they, they haven't panned out, and that's where the reluctance is to shell out a four-year deal to a running back who already has four years of big-time tread on, their, uh, on them. In Saquon Barkley's uh, case, it's five years with the likelihood of injury history. And I wrote an article about it earlier today, and here was kind of my takeaway for it. If you're a rebuilding team or a team not ready to contend yet uh, uh, for a Super Bowl, It's tough to really warrant shelling out big money to a running back, understanding that while they they possess solid value for maybe the offense, they don't possess solid value in terms of overall capability. But if you're a team like the 49ers and you have the money to do so while also having a strong infrastructure able to contend, that's where it's okay. And that's really made with a cheap quarterback situation where the 49ers are probably paying their quarterbacks around 15 million total for three quarterbacks this year, whereas a lot of teams are paying a hell of a lot more for their quarterback situation, even if it's only in a, as a middling quarterback situation as well. And so that's where I'm kind of like uh, looking at it overall. And let me talk about Christian McCaffrey specifically, because he holds a, a a significant amount of value to this 49ers offense. I dubbed him the MVP of this offense last year, despite him playing in only 10 games, because he averaged over 100, and 100 all-purpose yards a game. He averaged around 120, uh, was a significant receiving threat alongside a a, a solid rush uh, rusher you know, on the ground. And really, it's just his ability to open up the entirety of the offense, because Defense is really gravitated toward McCaffrey, freeing up open receivers, and also it's a perfect checkdown option where you're guaranteed to get a few yards, and that made the job easier for quarterbacks both Garoppolo and Brock Purdy to go through progressions. And so the value he provides to the team, mixed with the uh, the combined with the uh, Kyle Shanahan offense, I think warrants this deal, even though McCaffrey, you know, has had an injury history in the past. And the other portion of it is the guaranteed money allotted in this deal. It was a three-year, $36 million deal when San Francisco acquired him. Zero of that was guaranteed. Now, McCaffrey got some guaranteed money with the restructure, but the 49ers still have some flexibility with this deal and when they can move off of McCaffrey should they need to. Now, obviously, the hope is that you keep the tread on him a little lighter throughout the regular season over the next three years so that you can get, uh, get the maximum amount of production for the majority of his prime. But I think McCaffrey is a unique case based on the fit and based on the way that he's utilized as well as his contract situation. Whereas some of these other players looking for bigger deals, Mm. I think that it's tough to warn it when you have players that, you know, you can get good running backs in the undrafted quarter. You can get good running backs in the draft with so many talented running backs consistently being pumped out in the draft that can come at such a cost-controlled price.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate for the running backs. You know, I feel for them. I mean, obviously, they're not going to be making these $15 million a year contracts. Nick Chubb maybe is the exception. Um, you know, very few co- running backs are going to get that money. And it, there's a couple of things. Like you said, you know, you have a guy like CMC. And in 49er, Jeff made this comment that, you know, running back, a lot of these running backs are not as versatile as a guy like CMC because he could catch out of the backfield. He could run. He could do he could do a lot. He's, he's a dual threat type running back, right? Like a Roger Craig type guy, Marshall Falk. And those are your dime a dozen type guys. You know, a Debo like he's a dual threat wide receiver, like the right, the the wide back. So not a lot of guys can do that, and not a lot of teams run a run heavy offense. Like running is important in the NFL, play action, all that stuff. But a lot of these teams they air it out. It's 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 an offense. It's an air raid offense. Let's be honest. It's passing rules the league nowadays, and running backs. You like you said, you can find a running back in the sixth round of a draft, undrafted, seventh round, and there's a lot of committees in most teams, right? Some teams they don't even have a star running back, like running back one. They have three guys. You know, the 49ers, although they do have CMC, the star, oh, they do still implement, um, you know, a bevy of running backs, a, a committee, because they don't want to get the injuries. And what have we seen over the last couple of years? A lot of injuries, even though they had great running backs, right? You got Elijah Mitchell. And this year, too, just like you said, with all these other running backs there, they can lighten the load on CMC and get the ba- most bang for their buck with what they're going to pay for him um, and, and stretch out his years. Because, again, as we know, running backs get the most hits on the team. They take the first hits usually, and they take the you know those weird helmets to the leg and, and those kind of uh, unfortunate hits. So you know, having a lot of running backs is good for many teams. And then you know, let's say it's middle of the year, your guy that's running the bulk of the ball he gets dragged down with a hamstring injury. Some guy that was a six round pick all of a sudden is a star of your running back uh, committee now, and it just doesn't help you justify paying these guys a lot of money. It's unfortunate. I get it. I'm glad that they're all rallying together. Maybe they should get a union, but it, it, it is unfortunate. The running back's not valued as it once was 10, 20, 50, you know, 25 years ago. It's just a game, man. I think Zeke Elliott probably ruined it for everybody with his big contract. But um, speaking yeah. of contracts, I want to use this as a perfect segue to a guy that should be getting an extension. We've talked about him a couple times. Um, he's the top rusher um, rating-wise on Madden. He was the reigning defensive player of the year. He's former... Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. You might know him, Rohan. His name is Nick Bosa. He's never heard of him. Never soon. heard of him. You never heard of him? Well, he's a star on the 49ers. Now that you cover the 49ers, you might want to get to know him. This guy is a world-class athlete. The guy's got muscles on top of his muscles. Nick Bosa, contract. what is your prediction? When do you think they're going to sign the dotted line? I think it's going to be Monday, the day before players meet. Um, uh, the training the veterans come down to training camp. I think it's going to be Monday. We're going to have a hell of a day. And then Tuesday, they're going to show all the content of Nick Bosa and signing the contract because he's in the building. I think it's going to be Monday.
0: I think I'll go a little later. I think it's going to be week two of training camp, um, probably the beginning of August. And I don't think it's anything because of bad blood necessarily, but more so in the case of Nick Bosa, there's not necessarily a, a reason for him to be on the field. Like It's not that there's not a reason for him to be on the field, but, you know, the 49ers aren't necessarily harmed with him off the field to begin training camp because they anyway will ease him in. They don't play him as much. You know, he might not play some days in team drills to uh, to ease him in. And you also know that Bosa has been working significantly in the offseason, um, making sure he stays in shape, continuing to perfect his craft. So I don't think that, that there's uh, that big of a worry. I put him more so on the Debo Samuel kind of trajectory kind of signs that second week of training camp but also can be implemented a little bit as the as it goes with that said i know uh, you know it gives a, a little bit of uh, room for other 49ers to kind of shine with uh with Bosa off the field because you don't really know who are going to be those four starting defensive linemen without Bosa um Drake Jackson inevitably be one who's going to be kind of the opposite guy i think that that's where uh we're going to look for don't think that there's going to be any issues necessarily, but I think it, yeah, it might take a little bit longer potentially through the second, uh, to the second week of camp.
1: Yeah. That's a little nerve wracking to me, Ron. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> he holds it up, for Even though I know he's going to get paid. I, I just wanted to get done so camp can start and we're all happy. We're all singing Kumbaya. We see Nick Bosa and Trent Williams that first week. I, I mean, cause that's always a, a great sight, you know, at training camp. And, and just to kind of, have a sigh of relief because you know how these, you know how it gets. Niner fans get a little antsy, especially if someone holds out. We saw the whole Debo situation and obviously I don't think there's any bad blood. I think it's just a matter of getting the guaranteed money, you know, but I do hope it's sooner rather than later. I will tell you this, that next week, if he doesn't sign me, I'm going to be holding my breath a little bit while we're at training camp and uh I don't like to hold my breath. So hopefully he signs Monday, but I could see how you're saying it might, you know, they, they don't necessarily need him there that first week. But I just hope that everything gets done before, you know, because then the speculation mounts, and then teams are going oh, to always Bosa us you know how it goes. So I don't think there's any issues. I know they're going to do everything they need to get him signed, but I just hope it's sooner rather than later.
0: I, I mean, I agree too. Um, sooner Nick Bosa gets on the field, sooner the 49ers are continuing to be the 49ers. That's how I look at it.
1: He's the guy, man. There's so many good uh, – and Hargrave. I'm so excited – to see Hargrave next week. Oh my God. I'm, I'm super, super excited to see uh, Javon Hargrave finally on a 49er uh, Jersey next week for the first time. I'm, oh man, I'm, I'm that guy. It just just gives me chills knowing that he's going to be on the same defensive line as Nick Bosa, man. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I I mean, I like s Flood's comment, Bosa versus Trent always the best matchup in camp. We don't get too much of it, right? Both players are um, in and out. Uh, in terms of playing a lot with the first team. But when they're on the field, I mean, that's that's a rarity. You don't see one of the best left tackles always go against one of the best defensive ends, you know, potentially even the best, uh, at, at, best at their positions. And so that, that would be some good content. That's something that uh, I look forward to seeing at least once this camp.
1: Yeah, I, I hope they match up a little bit more than they have in the past because you're right, you don't always get to see that. But every now and again you see it like, oh, man, it's like – You know a couple years back when joe staley was on the team and nick was a rookie that was that was like the battle It was like oh my god and nick and he knocks him back and staley's telling the story of how oh man this guy was just so ahead of his time as a rookie so it's always fun to see those camp battles with those you know the, the the stars of the team you know i'm looking forward to like mooney ward brandon Ayuk. like last year you were there those two went it was just when those two guys were going at it it was like oh my god Iron sharpens iron. It was two warriors going above each other. It was like it was like DBZ. You had Goku and Vegeta. It's like they they're cyan mode. Nobody else on the field mattered, and they were going at each other. I'm I'm excited for these the star. One matches. more.
0: I've got I you Fred, man. Uh, uh are you gonna see some more fights? Uh,
1: yeah. Oh like uh, yeah, I like that, that, that was great. It was I kinda so- like that. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, so let's get into um. Obviously, the big story this off season. Well, every every off for the Forty Uh we talked about this behind the scenes before we started. Quarterback, what? Where is the state of the quarterback, Rohan, going into training camp? Like, obviously, Trey Lance has worked his tail off this off season. He's been training, you know, in TCU. He was there this weekend with the Patrick Mahomes, his quarterback coach, as he's been um, all off season training with him. Um, Brock Purdy offsite off site in uh, Jacksonville, rehabbing, throwing, and stuff like that. And and of course, there's Sam Darnold. What do you see going on in this training camp? Like, obviously, we don't know how far along Brock is. We don't know if he's gonna be throwing with the, you know, with the team drills and stuff. or is he? If he's gonna be in the back, getting the Jimmy Garoppolo treatment, you know, in the backfield throwing, doing his rehab. Like, he may be doing that. But I think all eyes are gonna be on Trey Lance. He's the biggest question coming into to training camp. You know, this is kind of make or break for him. What, what's your mindset going into this training camp about the quarterbacks? Um, uh, of the 49ers
0: right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of going into it with an open mind right now. Signs seem to be pointing, uh, trending upwards for Trey Lance. Um, you know, uh, a lot of teammates coming out in his support. His quarterback coach saying he looks like a different quarterback. I mean, yeah. that's that's the big thing. I mean, it seems like he's continued to improve and there was some improvement uh, ahead when he was in the offseason ahead of minicamp and OTAs. Seems like some more improvement now. So, you know, you'll, you'll see a little bit. I'd assume... Expect another back and forth between Lance and Donald in terms of rep count. Uh, one gets the one one day. The other gets the one reps the other day. And something like that. I, I think Purdy is the biggest wild card. I mean, um, the one question that I have, well, the 49ers just end the speculation and place him on the PUP list mm-hmm. and essentially rule him out for the entirety of training camp because mm-hmm. when we heard earlier, right, some of those tentative dates being thrown out there was August 21st, which is between preseason game two and game three. Obviously the 49ers have held out hope that he could potentially be there for the start of training camp, but I'm not exactly sure if that's going to be the case. And you know, that would obviously be a that would be a, a something to to monitor for sure. Or do the 49ers yeah. kind of let it slide and see uh, if they can get Purdy out there during someday in training camp or how how do they how do they kind of do it? Yeah, that's a good
1: that's actually a, a really good um, you know, idea and, and good kind of uh, you know, area to have your mind at with Brock Purdy because you're you're right. We don't know where he's going to be. We don't know how far along his rehab process is, and maybe they will put him on the pup list because that can kind of give him that ability if if he's ready and and you know ready to kind of get in there and and play. They can actively put him back in the roster, and you know he's not. You're really not going to lose any impact on your roster. You can let him um, go out there, work, be on the side field, do everything you need to do. Just won't have to be on team drills, and then eventually when he's ready to be eased in drop him in when he's ready so I think that's probably best case scenario and that, that actually might be what happens I'm sure that next week we'll get all the answers right if we see that update you know from Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter boom Brock Purdy's been placed on the PUP I think a lot of people initially be like oh my god oh my god but I think knowing that that he can eventually be augmented back into the roster once he's kind of ready then I think we'll all be kind of like uh, relaxed because again yeah the, for him to be ready by week one it doesn't mean he needs to be there in training camp and doing all the drills because they know what he has what it takes to be the starting quarterback like they've already backed him so he's the quarterback as long as he's healthy now the goal is to get him healthy and make sure he goes through his recap so that that probably is what's gonna happen i'm guessing maybe adam schefter might be dropping that bomb next we'll see and if it happens rohan had it first give him his credit he's the one he had the idea he knows Knows better than anybody, man. This guy, this guy's all the ideas. You should just be the coach of the team, Rohan.
0: <laughs> Completely off topic right now. Just saw yeah. an article based uh, published by my own 49ers web zone. Javon Hargrave, 84 rating in Madden. was also considered a top 10 defensive tackle by NFL execs and NFL uh, uh, personnel. 84 overall is the number 17 ranking amongst defensive linemen. What do we think, guys? Is uh, the top 10 rating a little more realistic, or is the number 17 ranking by Madden a little more realistic for where Javon Hargrave ranks amongst defensive tackles in the NFL?
1: Man, I think he's top 10. Obviously, he was one of the better defensive linemen in the whole NFL last year. He had double-digit sacks from the interior line position. Niners paid top dollar. I, and he did comment on that. He says, oh, we'll be editing this or something during the season. So, you know, he, he's probably like, mm, Okay. I don't know. I think it's it's biased. I think if he would have stayed in Philly, his numbers would have been a little bit higher on Madden. That's just, that just my personal opinion. Again, Madden rankings to me, it's a video game. I could care less about Madden rankings. Um, I think that the executive rankings and the player rankings and those types of things matter a little bit more to me. So if the players, if the executives, if you know, analysis, you know know people that are doing analysis and those types of guys are rating him and he's in the top 10, that means more to me than a video game ranking. That's just me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel you, and uh, I mean, I don't think it's gonna, I don't think it's gonna bother them that much. But uh, interesting to see, you know, especially because I just saw 49ers uh, or uh, Javon Hargrave be ranked. I think it was number six defensive tackle in the NFL, and coming down all the way to seventeen. Yeah, I agree. And
1: it, uh, this is a good comment from Flood. He says Hargrave is an upgraded version of DJ Jones, DJ Jones, and we all know the impact of DJ on the Niners. And, and yeah, this is the type of Impact, I think that you know Hargrave is going to have e- even bigger than than DJ Jones. You know him and Armstead are just going to open up so many lanes. They're going to just terrorize centers and, and interior linemen. It's just going to make Nick Bosa's day so much easier, and that's what we need because last year, what was it? You know, in the playoffs, we kept saying we're like Bosa looks tired. He needs help. He needs help, and they got it for him, and that's Javon Hargrave. That's this is Nick Bosa's help, and then we 100%. just got to pray. That Drake Jackson or Cleland Farrell on the other side can be the guys that we need, you know, and replace Omenuhu and Samson Abikam. I mean, it's not a small feat. I, I know people scoff at their numbers. Oh, you know, they didn't get a lot of sacks, but that's a lot of snaps to replace. They played a lot of snaps for this team. So that to me is the biggest, um, you know, story for the defensive line. Because Drake played, what, maybe 11 games last year and Cleland Farrell, you know, he never really lived up to his billing as a top five pick, but you know how uh, our D-line coach is, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Chris Kerserk's a man. Maybe he can get the most out of these guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, you talk about Hargrave. I'd say he's an upgrade for sure over DJ Jones. As for yeah. the version, we'll see, because Hargrave is more of a pass rusher. DJ Jones never really untapped that part of his potential. Obviously, one of the best run defenders, though, in the NFL with the explosiveness mm-hmm. and athleticism that he possesses. We'll be interested to see how much Hargrave plays. Do the 49ers look to keep him healthy, or do mm-hmm. they look – uh, do they look to make him a three-down guy? Do they look to keep him healthy? Because he's not as good of a run defender um, as as you'd expect, but he's a very prominent pass rusher, and he can still hold his own in the run game. 49ers do, though, have guys like uh, you know Kevin Gibbons. He's more of a pass rusher. Kalia Davis, even Javon Kinlaw, who reportedly is healthy the entire offseason for the first time ever. And doctors have said he looks a lot different uh, uh, medically. That is. And so that that that's something to, to keep an eye on. The point, though, being they have depth. Are they going to use it and continue to operate the way that they have before? Or are they going to, um, you know, try and implement these three down players like Javon Hargrave and maybe give up a little more of the run game to keep your best players on the field overall?
1: Yeah, at the end of the day, we got to keep our best players healthy. And you're right. It's, it's going to be a strategy of how they implement these guys because um, you want to keep your best players healthy for the playoffs. Um, and you're right, you know, he may not be the best uh, uh, run defender compared to where DJ Jones, DJ Jones was a phenomenal run stuffer, a little bit different game. but This guy's a great pass rusher. So you're right, they do have a lot of depth. Kalia Davis is a guy I'm intrigued to see rookie last year, basically red shirted. Um, and, and I like uh, some of those other guys. Javon Kinlaw, I'm not going to hold my breath on him. But if he could come in and, and give us some snaps and be productive, uh, I'll take what I can get if he stays healthy and gives us production that's icing on the cake. So We'll see, but I am very excited about Hargrave. Uh, Moving on, good question from Paul. He says, do you guys know anything about the Luther injury? I know you basically were um, one of the first people to kind of report on this on WebZone. Um, He's on the PUP list. There's no really specifics that I've seen, but maybe you have some insight on the injury there, Rohan.
0: No, I mean, uh, I haven't heard anything necessarily on the leader injury at the moment. I'm assuming, though, as training camp comes, Kyle Shanahan will speak with the media soon, and that'll be clarified there. It seems like it was an injury sustained between minicamp and between OTAs um, because I don't think it was an injury prior because he would have been placed in the NFI list if it was prior to him being drafted. He was also present at OTAs and minicamp. Maybe it happened at the end of that portion, but it seems like it could have happened recently. Um, but PUP list, I wouldn't be too worried necessarily in that you can be activated anytime prior to training camp, but it's somewhat of an indication that an injury does exist and that he might miss a little bit of time at the moment. And they want to keep a roster spot. Over.
1: Okay. So if they have to bring someone in, they can correct.
0: Essentially. Yes, they
1: can now. Very good. Very good. Well, maybe they just wanted to boot, put him on the so they can go sign. Yannick Ngakwe next week. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Probably not. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, real quick, uh, Flood says, can we have an educated discussion about the right tackle position? What say you about Colt McKibbitt? I don't know if I've asked you this question, but as time goes on, I'm not worried about Colton McKibbitt. I think he's going to be a solid starter. I think he's going to hold it down. Just the biggest thing for me is I just hope that the starters stay healthy because I think we have a pretty formidable offensive line.
0: I honestly don't know what to expect when it comes to uh, Colton McKibbitt's right. Um, I've seen him before. haven't necessarily been as impressed as some other people with the way that he has uh, the way that he's played. But overall, I think that, you know, the 49ers had a plan and I mean, I'm at least curious to see how he performs understanding that, um, you know, understanding that Colton McKibbitt's, he's a guy who, has really done most of its work behind the scenes. I'm interested to see how does he perform now. Um, But Sam last year wasn't as impressed with him last year, but he's gotten a couple of years now of development and now has a solidified spot rather than being a swing tackle guy. And so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how it is. My biggest discussion, though, when it comes to right tackle isn't even with the starter with the backup because I don't think there's a single backup right now I feel confident with that tackle for the 49ers, be it left or right tackle. You've got guys like Jalen Moore, Matt Pryor, even Leroy Watson. I'm not confident with any of those three options. And what I said recently is we know Trent Williams is bound to miss maybe three to four games you know, a year just with uh, the way that uh, with rest, with health and things like that. Who's going to play that spot of duty now? because they trusted McKibbitts before and he was solid, but they don't have that option anymore. And Brunskill, you know, he's gone. Who do they trust? Do they go out and try and get another guy? Because right now I'm not that confident in the options that they currently have. That's my biggest question, maybe even with the entire roster. Who can be a backup offensive tackle on this team? Do they try out Burford there? That's an idea Marco and I have floated. Um, Do they try out, you know, do they even try out Nick Nixakel out there? We'll see. but. Not too confident in the current options at the moment.
1: Yeah, that's why I said I'm okay with the starters. I think that the start. I, I don't have any problem with McKivitts. I think – and like you said, you know, he wasn't great the last few years. But, it, again, he was developing. He didn't get a lot of snaps and reps. But, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, he's replacing a guy that most of the Niner fans – he lives in infamy, Mike McGlinchey. Like, people desecrate. Like, this guy, you mentioned Mike McGlinchey to about 90% of the fan base. On 49ers Twitter, they'll burn him. They'll put his name and and, you know, just – Blast them, right? So, if this guy can be a, a solid pass rusher, I think we'll be okay. Because that, that's what Michael Glitch was bad at, this pass, pass protecting. Now, he was a good run blocker. So, Colton McKibbitt will have to learn, you know, the schemes and be able to execute. Because run blocking is huge in this system. But I think he can stand up and block well. But again, you're right. The starters, I'm fine with Trent Williams. He may miss a few games. He's getting older. And you want to kind of have that load management to make sure he's healthy for the playoffs. Um, You know, Banks and Burford, they're solid. You know, Will they be able to improve upon their first years last year? And Brendel, he surprised me last year. That's why I think as far as the starters, I'm not too worried because I was one of those guys. that was like, oh, my God, Jake Brendel's going to be starter. And he proved me wrong. And he went up the development path with the 49ers. So I have some faith with McKivitz, but you're absolutely right, Rohan. You hit the nail on the head. I'm a little worried about the backups because I don't have any faith in these guys. Jalen Moore, I don't even think he's going to make the final roster. He might just because they don't have a lot of depth on the backup lines, right? Um and, and then there are a lot of rookies, you know, Nick Sakel, we don't know what he's capable of. Jason Poe, like they sound great. They have a lot of hype. But we haven't seen him play. And then, you know, Matt Pryor, he kinda had a bad year with the Colts last year. I don't I don't really feel too um, you know, confident about him. And Leroy Watkins, you know, or Watson. And then the other guy to me is like a wild card is Feliciano. Like he's been a starter, but can he play right tackle? Can he play is he better at guard? But if we got Burford and Banks Does he even have a spot? Is he more of the Swiss Army knife guy? So you're right. The the secondary line, if there's any injuries, a lot of questions. So I pray that this starting offensive line doesn't have any injuries because there's a lot of question marks behind them. But we'll see how they look in training camp because, you know, that, that to me is the biggest question. If the offensive line sustains any injuries, will we be able to have a good enough offensive line to keep the quarterback healthy? Because what has been the issue over the last couple of years, offensive line, goes down, gets hurt, leads to an injury on the quarterback, and then the whole situation spirals out of control. And, and look at Philly. We couldn't beat them. We couldn't penetrate them because the offensive line was just too stout. So we have to have a solid offensive line.
0: No, I, I agree. You got to have a solid offensive line. And uh, overall, when you talk about the offensive line as well, um, I mean, last year it was good. And last year I predicted it was good. I, I said before the uh, after training camp, based on what I saw, I didn't think that there was going to be issues like a lot of people thought. A lot of people said this offensive line might be one of the shakiest position groups of the team. I didn't think so. I thought if Mike McGlinchey was going to be ready week one because there were questions surrounding that torn quadricep injury, I thought this team was going to be a top fifteen unit, maybe even top ten. And they even they even beat my expectations because they were well within probably they were probably in that top ten range somewhere in that back end of the top ten when it comes to offensive line. I'll look again this year. We'll see how it is. But I'm not worried about the interior. I think there's strong depth. John Feliciano is one of them. Um, you've got guys like Jason Poe, Nick Sakel, uh there. You've got options on the interior, even with the departure of Daniel Brunskill. Really, though, more worried about the outside and the depth there.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, we'll see what happens. But I think I have the same concerns as you. And And like you said, last year, I mean, that offensive line definitely outplayed what I thought they were capable of. So shout out to them, you know. They know the talent, the team knows the talent, the coaches know it, and they usually get the most out of these players. At the end of the day, they usually do a pretty good job of developing these players, so we'll see. I'm excited, um, but yeah, that's definitely going to be one of the big question marks coming into training camp, as expected. You know, that's always a big question for the 49ers offensive line. You know, we have to be able to protect the quarterback. Um, as I said, you know, that's one of the issues that we've had over the last couple of years, so we'll see what happens. Um, there's one position though that if we have a really like crazy strength that there's going to be players that may not make the the roster that that could make the roster that be left out It's wide receiver because you have two of the best wide receivers in the league right now you know Debo and Brandon Ayuk Debo coming off a down year but he looks just poised to go crazy like you can see the whole offseason he he said last year it was ridiculous he you know he he's sorry he apologized for coming into camp shape and you know he had the you know the contract situation but he just looks determined this year to go back to that 2021 season. And Brandon Ayuk obviously locked in a contract year. Like those two guys, look like they're both going to be a thousand yard receivers or all purpose thousand yards. But even behind them, there's some solid weapons. You know, I think that's going to be a hard uh, position to crack. But uh, what, what do you take on? What's your take on the wide receiver spot? I think wide Debo and Ayuk might be the. They could make a case for the top wide receiver duo in the NFL. It's they're going to have some fun this year.
0: No, I agree. I mean, I think that they could be a very, very good uh, wide receiver duo, especially because you've got two guys that are motivated for different reasons. Brandon Ayuk, fresh off a 1,000-yard season, he's a strong candidate to repeat his performance from a season ago, especially when you consider the fact that this is essentially a contract year for him. Next year, he's going to be eligible for an extension, and I think the 49ers make their decision on him next year. It's do they keep him, Which which I would lean to right now, meaning they're going to have to pay him, or do they move on from him and maximize off his trade value, which means, you know, it's dependent on what he does this year. And so for me, I think Ayuk is motivated because this year essentially dictates what contract he's going to get um, for his second deal. As for Debo Samuel, this year could dictate what his future in San Francisco holds because he's coming off a down year. He's really had one super strong year and uh, been uh, battling injuries or been battling inconsistencies elsewhere. Next year you can't put up 600 receiving yards, can't be six hundred and thirty-two. You've got to get closer to that thousand range, if over that thousand range, especially one thousand all purpose yards. And so I think he's motivated. I mean, he looks the he, he he's taken accountability. He looks the part a little more. He normally comes into training camp out of shape. Seems like he came into mini camp this year in shape. And it seems like he, you know, he he's on that path again. And I think that um, you know, especially if he can maintain his health. It, it should be a strong year for him as well. And when you have both of those options playing at the high their highest level, it's a good sign for the 49ers because it open only opens up the playbook and it, it provides you a lot of opportunity there with both players.
1: Yeah, I agree. If those two guys are playing at a high level and they're both money motivated, basically chasing that bat I mean it's gonna be scary offense because you got again Brandon IU contract season and if we all if we're being honest, this is a contract year for Debo because you're right, he's playing for his future with not just the team. For the NFL, if he has another inconsistencies and injuries, teams are gonna look at him and say, ah, you know, he was he was good a couple years ago, but he can't stay healthy and he's not gonna get big contracts that he wants. And you know, he he likes his money. So I think Debo is ready to come in and, and just be Debo again. Like you could say, like you said, he's coming into camp this year in, in fantastic shape compared to where he was last year. Again, he had the contract situation, so it's a little bit of a that was a weird situation last year, but he he took accountability like he said. So it's gonna be fun. I'm excited to see who's the wide receivers behind him. Juwan Jennings also in a contract year. Um, you got Danny Gray coming off, of, you know, um, a rookie season that was a little bit. Oh, it was not a little bit. It was very disappointing, you know, with all the hype that they had on him. We'll see if he can step up and and be that physical guy that Shanahan wants. And you got Ronnie Bell. There, there's a lot of guys. Ray Ray McLeod wide receiver is pretty deep position on the 49ers and some, there's going to be some really good players that don't make the final roster. I think they keep five. They could make six, but it's going to be hard to crack the 53 man roster overall. And to me, wide receiver is going to be one of the the most entertaining battles in training camp. I I really think so.
0: No, I agree. I, I do agree. And the way that I look at the wide receiver position is probably a little different than others. I know a lot of people want to see Danny Graham on the field. However, I, I, I urge to air caution again for the 2024 season. When you draft these players, when the 40 ers are looking to draft these players, it's not only for the year ahead, it's just for the future ahead. San Francisco understood. You've got Ray-Ray McLeod, who they signed on a two-year deal last year. Mm -hmm. You probably don't bring him back if he plays how you expect. He probably prices himself out of your range. And they also had Jawan Jennings, a guy who has outplayed his contract significantly because he was a seventh-round pick. He makes $825,000, $900,000 a year. He, he, he's dirt cheap. He doesn't even count to the 49ers 53 man roster right now, or sorry, not, uh, count towards the salary cap right yeah. now. Cause he's not one of the top 51 players that is being paid. And so, wow. you know, when you talk about it like that, 49ers are taking advantage of, um, their investments, but Danny gray, I view him more of a 2025 guy. I think he takes another year of seasoning, um, plays as a backup, obviously injury, if injuries occur, he'll be, uh, thrusted in the lineup but I think he's more of a 2025 guy where next year with another full season of not only reps on the field, but also in, uh, getting stronger and being able to play uh, as that slot guy. I think that he could fit in well and also could see more opportunity on the outside, understanding that the 49ers may have to make a difficult decision between Brandon Aik or Debo Samuel.
1: Yeah, That's a good call on that, actually. That's, I didn't think about it that way, but, you're right, the 49ers are is developing for the future. They're always looking not just 10 steps ahead, but maybe 100 steps ahead. So you're right, because they do have Jennings. And if he has the season that I think Jennings is going to have, he's not going to stay next year. He's going to be priced out, unfortunately. Because you're right, you got to keep Brandon Ayuk next year. If you pay him a lot of money, and then Debo is going to want some money, can you pay Juwan Jennings a, a bigger contract that he probably deserves? And he can get his money somewhere else and, and be a, a bigger weapon, you know, a wide receiver two somewhere or, or a bigger, you know, uh, component of someone's offense. And and it'll be great to see him get money coming, becoming a seventh round pick to a higher paid player, you know, a, a solid depth player for another team, just like a lot of the players on the 49ers. DJ Jones, you know, late round pick became very highly paid in, in Denver. And then Emmanuel, right. Sam, Emmanuel Mosley, you know, we couldn't afford him. So, you know, unfortunately, the injuries, but he got paid more than we probably were going to pay coming off the 20 ACL. So these guys play so good and other teams value that. And we're just like, okay, we got players for the future. So it's a good point. I, I didn't see it that way, but I, I do like that point. And again, one thing about Danny Gray is he can continue to build his strength. And if there's an injury, he can make the most of his opportunity and really, you know, um, make Shanahan look think twice, say, oh, okay, I really like what you did when you, gave us the, your, your, when you had your opportunity. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I think that's definitely – one way to look at it. I like that. Um, I'm going to shift gears. There was a comment up there. Someone says they saw Marcelino McCurry ball in uh, Target and he just looked jacked. The last time I saw him too, he looked frigging monstrous. I saw him at the, uh, what was it? The um, baseball, you know. Oh,
0: the, like, the, there was a charity softball game. And like right?
1: guy was, you, I was like, oh my God. And that was like two months ago. So I can only imagine him have gotten even more jacked in two months. So, I, and 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 the comment says that they think he's going to be linebacker three. I do too. I think uh, Marceline McCurry Ball, he's kind of the odds-on favorite to be the guy that replaces Azir, Aziz Alshahir. But I don't know. What's your take? Do you think it's it's Marcelino or Bust or some of those other linebackers got a chance to take that spot?
0: I I think that um, Marceline McCurry Ball, he's a guy who I was high on since the 49ers signed him last April as an undirected free agent. Guy who you know I've uh, I've rode the wave on. For a while. And uh I'm I'm happy that uh you know he's he, he's in the conversation this year. We saw him uh reach the podium at this year at Minicamp. He 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 does look yoked. He he's he's looking pretty big, and that's important because remember, this isn't a guy who isn't a linebacker, he's a safety converted linebacker uh in college. He played safety uh at times, he was around 215 in college, so now he's looking big, but he maintains that strong, uh that good speed, that sideline to sideline speed and also downhill ability. I think all of that is important, and I think that there's a lot of players who are going to have an equal shot at that LB3 spot. Orrin Burks, I would say, is the leader. I know a lot of people don't uh, count him as much, but he's the leader right now in the clubhouse, understanding that when the 49ers played in that uh, without Zizel Shire last year, he was that guy who slot in to that third linebacker spot, that sub package. But you're, you're going to carry four to five linebackers, likely five, and McCrary Ball is competing with the two rookies in D. Winters and Jalen Graham, both of whom have different skill sets. Winters is more of that, uh, he's a speedier option, a little smaller, undersized, but the 49ers like undersized linebackers, Uh, uh, you know, that's that's one of their trends. They like the undersized guys who can play better sideline to sideline, fit better in their system. Graham isn't undersized, but he also isn't as slow as his 40 time may indicate with that 4-6 speed, which isn't also bad for a linebacker. Moves fairly well sideline to sideline as well. And he's another guy who could fit in the mold. And then you've also got Demetrius Flanagan-Fowles, who's a special teamer. So a lot of options here. I think that 49ers have a good amount of options. Quarry Ball, firmly in the mix to make a roster this year after barely missing out last year.
1: Yeah, 100%. He was undrafted, um, you know, and he kind of worked his way through the team last year. But they re-signed him. Definitely think that he has a chance. Um, yeah, I agree with you, though. Oren Burks probably has a leg up on him. He's a veteran. Special teams guy, so he knows the system a little bit more, bit on the team, and he's friends with George Kittle, so that kind of gives you a little leg up on the competition. But, yeah, Marcelino McCrary Ball, if he can continue the trajectory that he had and, and build, off, build off from his great uh, uh, preseason. His preseason last year was, was phenomenal. He was all over the place. So if he can continue to be that fast sideline-to-sideline side line linebacker, definitely has a chance. But that, I think that's going to be another um, fun position to keep an eye on. Linebackers for the 49ers. They're always so robust, man. I just, man, they just do such a good job of finding linebacker talent. And they're you know, yeah. linebacker coach and everybody is just from top to bottom. It's fun to see how they develop. But I'm excited to see what Steve Wilkes does in that department too. Um, D'Amico, former linebacker. So I think he was really able to to help these linebackers flourish. Um, you know, so we'll see the difference with Steve Wilkes there. I'm excited to see how his defense, um, you know, brings it this year with all these, uh, you know, Phenomenal players, you know, Funga and Bosa and Warner and Greenlaw, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to see how it goes. uh, 49er Ben says, Larry Kruger said Juwan Jennings may not make the team. And then he says that Larry says a lot of outlandish things. I'm going to be live with Larry again. We didn't get to do our Monday show, but we're going to be live tomorrow. I'm going to ask him this. I'm going to say, do you really think Juwan Jennings doesn't make the roster? And then um, I think someone else commented. um, Paul says that Tay Martin or Ronnie Bell might make the roster. And if they show out, and they could trade Jennings if they if one of those guys stands out. Do, do you think they could trade Jennings this year? Maybe in the offseason real quick before season starts? What do you think? Is that even a viable option? What do, what do you think?
0: Now, I'll say this. I think I see where Larry's coming from, but I don't buy the argument that Jawan Jennings can get traded. I, I remember last year, Larry was high on Tate Martin just as I was. He was one of my favorite undrafted free agent signings and a guy who I really thought was uh, shining out in training camp. Tay Martin's the only guy who I believe can replace Juwan Jennings on this team. Why? Because he's the only guy that is that 6'3", 185, 200, 185-pound uh, guy. But nobody on the 49ers really can replicate Jennings's run-blocking prowess. And I I view the 49ers uh, position groups, uh, skill position groups the same. Running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, the way you get on the field, not the way you separate yourself, but the way you get on the field first is through blocking. Same goes with tight ends, same goes with wide receivers. That's how you get on the field. Then it's your extra ability that really sh- uh, that causes you to stand out. You know, That's the way it is, especially for role players when it comes to the 49ers. And so to me, Jennings just provides that value. And, um, that extra physicality, I don't think the 49ers can, uh, will let him go. Um, unless they get a significant package, which I don't expect. I also think that if your goal is to compete, Jennings on that contract is an extreme value, uh, value play. And I think that that's something you have to take advantage of understanding that some of these receivers, you put pass through waivers and end up getting Tay Martin. He's a guy who I really like. And if the 49ers carry six. He would be my favorite, not Ronnie Bell to make the fifty-three man roster. But I mm. honestly think the forty ers go back and carry five again and look to replenish this wide receiver group next year, adding Tay Martin in the fold next year alongside Danny Gray for a bigger role and create a different group next year, uh to you know, in, in the absence of Jennings and maybe even Ray Ray McLeod, because Martin that same frame, he could be the guy. I don't think Ronnie Bell makes the fifty-three. Um I, I know a lot of people have seen him flash, but um, I think that Tay Martin just p- provides a better, uh, well, he, he he provides something a little more unique for the roster, um, you know, in, in his frame. And I think that that might be a little more um, wanted for the 49ers as that option in the slot.
1: Oh, uh, we'll see. It's going to be, like I said, wide receiver is going to be a fun, fun, fun position um, to kind of keep an eye on. So you, you're very well um, right about that. Tay Martin, I think he, um, is an exceptional player who really kind of stepped up last year, and I expect him to take a bigger leap um, this year. So it's going to be fun, man. Uh, wider, those those back-end wide receivers that they're developing for the future, they got some good ones, and I'd hate to see them cut a guy that could probably make this roster in the future and then get snagged by a team. But unfortunately, that's the business. I'm sure we're going to lose a f- one or two or three guys here and there that we don't want to lose, but that that's, that's also another strategy that we'll have to talk about later down the line when they're trimming rosters of, you know, who can they keep? Who are they going to cut? Who do they think is going to make the practice squad? It's tough, man. I'm, I'm glad I don't have to be in charge of, you know, managing the roster and trying to trim it down to 53, There's a lot of players that should be able to make it. But again, it's got to be the best 53 players that give you the best chance to make it. It's tough, man. And you can't really sit there and, and soak over people's feeling like players are going to get hurt, but it's a business and you got to realize that. So it's going to be fun, though, this, this battle. Um, we got about, I'd say about 10, 12 minutes left until the hour comes up. I don't know if there's anything else that we didn't cover that you want to go over, Rohan. But I'm also going to open this up to some questions from the, the, the fans out there on the chat. So if you guys have questions, we'll try to get to as many of them um, in the next 10 minutes or so. And then, um, you know, we'll wrap it up. Um, there is one here I wanted to kind of get to real quick. Sacktown says he loves Mason, Jordan Mason, that is. He says he won't be RB2 unless he learns how to block Mitchell and TDP. Are both way better blockers? What say you, running back? You, I I'm all aboard the uh, JP Mason hype train. I think this kid was phenomenal as a rookie, as a you know rookie undrafted, came from nothing, and he cracked the roster last year. We saw some flashes here and there. He used them kind of like a mini Marshawn, and there was times where I was like, man, this guy just looks so good at running. And he was a rookie, and you know he's still kind of learning how how the game works, still learning the system. And I just remember that Seattle game. Boom! He clinched the game. He clinched the division. Like that big run he had. That he, I wish he would have scored the touchdown. But like, as the season kind of progressed, man, this kid just was running harder and harder and harder. And you can't, re- you can't teach someone. Uh-oh. So, Uh-oh. There, we go. there we go. What there do you here. think about the running back position?
0: Talking about the running back position here, Jordan Mason. You, you pointed it out. Many marched on it away last year. Deemed the closer by his teammates for the way that he uh, physically was able to layer down opponents at the end of games last year. I think that he's a guy who definitely could see seen an, an uptick in his role. And to me, I think the most important part of that RB2 spot for me is, it's an interesting one, but I think it's who can replicate Christian McCaffrey's skill set the most. Why do I say that? Well, the 49ers found hit the jackpot when they landed McCaffrey last year, and it's because of the way that his skill set revolves uh, or his skill set opens up the way the 49ers can attack the uh, opposing defense's offense, uh, opposing defense's Um, on the offensive side of the ball. They can stretch them out because they've got a viable checkdown option, one that they've searched for for a few years and really weren't able to get. Talk about the Jermichael Hasty's of the world and uh, all the different running backs that they've cycled through trying to get a receiving threat out of them. McCaffrey's really the first true receiving threat that they've had in the Kyle Shanahan era that has consistently come to play. I think that they want to replicate Whoever I'm not, nobody's going to be McCaffrey, but replicate whoever can best or uh, play whoever can best replicate that skill set. And so, to me, that to me, that's the big question of training camp. I've heard reports that Elijah Mitchell, sorry. Jordan Mason has improved his receiving ability and not improved, but also got more of an opportunity to showcase it. I thought it was there as well last year in glimpses, got more of an opportunity to showcase it. So if he can become a better pass catcher on third down situations, you know, if McCaffrey gets cycled out, you have an option where you don't really change much in your arsenal. Despite the way that Mason runs, you don't change too much. And you're able to implement that same package and really create a bigger threat in Jordan Mason. He does have to learn how to block. That is hundred percent true, and um, you know that that could very well indicate his uh, dictate how his playing time goes, and that could have also been the reason where he doesn't play as much in year one. But because Cashinhan does prioritize those pass blockers as running backs, we'll see if that portion of his game continues to improve. But I'm interested to see how his receiving ability continues to improve as well
1: yeah i agree with that you know and and that's the big thing that shanahan focuses on is right. no block no rock he wants these guys to be physical he wants these teammates his his team basically to be bullies you know and that's the reason why he challenges uh these players especially at wide receiver position right we've seen it before brandon iu dante pettis and now danny gray is he wants them to be physical and and that's your first step if you can block he'll give you the opportunities and you're right and and, then it brings us to the next question is, does TDP make the roster? And I think it's the same um, concept with, with Jordan Mason. If he can block, he'll get his opportunities. And in those opportunities he gets in training camp and preseason, he has to produce. And that's basically what it is. You have to do what these coaches want. And Tasha Shanahan wants you to be a willing blocker. And then once you get to that point, and he gives you those opportunities, you have to make the most of it. If you're fumbling the ball, you know you can't get the yardage. And that's that's your opportunity that you get. You may not get a lot. You have to make the most of it. And I think that's why Jordan Mason made the roster last year is because in his small sample size, he just ran his head off and he was running like he was on fire. And that's what Shanahan saw. And he's like, I like this guy's hustle. Like his heart. Like I said, you can't teach that. You can teach someone how to block, but you can't teach that heart. So we'll see. And and I think TDP will make it if he can improve upon last year. And I think with Rohan, what he said is these guys need to be able to pass or, or catch passes out of the backfield. It's going to dictate every single running back on this team, other, if your name's not CMC, is can you catch out of the backfield? Because if CMC goes down, somebody's going to have to be able to do that. And you don't want to shoulder. You don't want Debo to just be the guy that has to carry the load again because if he does, he's going to get hurt again. So you want someone that can help out the whole roster in case CMC has to go down for a few games, which we hope it doesn't happen. But uh, Rohan's exactly right. Is You have to be able to pass catch as running back to take some load off of everybody else on this team. So, good questions. Uh, Let's see what else we got um, out here. Um, Let's take a few more questions. Let's see. Uh, Drunk Polish says, Mason has that dog in him. Um, Arun says, I'm worried about the tackle on the right side of the O-line. Yeah, we talked about that. I think Rohan mentioned that he's really worried about uh, the depth, especially at right tackle. Um, This is a good question from Flood. He says, what's the key to keeping Elijah Mitchell healthy? throughout the season what do you think is there a special key
0: I think I I don't know this one's tough right because a big issue with Elijah Mitchell is those knee injuries and they're unfortunate because you pop you get a helmet pop to the knee it's one of those knee sprains that you know costs you six to eight weeks and I it's it's tough because do you want him to give up a part of his physicality to preserve that health because if he gives up a part of his physicality he's not Elijah Mitchell. And it's also the unfortunate nature of these injuries. But remember, when these injuries occur, the unfortunate injuries occur more and more uh, in that same area, it just becomes harder and harder um, to to consistently remain healthy. And so to me, uh, I, I don't know the answer to that question, and that's the hope the 49ers can keep him healthy. My answer would probably be to, uh, you know, put him in a timeshare, limit his workload, but also allow him to operate freely when he is on the field, things like that. And I think the 49ers are in a position to do that because they've got three strong options that they trust, as well as, you know, all three of them away can take the bell cow role if they need to. And so I think they've got flexibility there. But the hope is, Elijah Mitchell, hopefully you can remain healthy. Bet is that he won't. Hope is that he is. But the thing is, I don't think the 49ers are as worried about the injury scenario, understanding that they've got still two strong guys they believe in should that uh, situation occur.
1: Yeah, I think they've safeguarded themselves in in, um, in the event if Mitchell does get hurt. I mean, I hope he doesn't because he's very talented. We see what he can do. Like him and CMC, if they can be healthy together, man, that's a nasty duel. But kind of going back to what we were saying about Juwan Jennings, Mitchell to me is a guy that if they have to, push comes to shove, and, and those other guys, like Jordan Mason, like we talked about, and TDP, if they really step up, I think they could trade Elijah Mitchell and get some value out of him instead of having to have another unfortunate you know injury late in season. Because this offense is all about physicality. And like you said, um, in, in order for Mitchell to stay healthy, maybe you got to take away some of that physicality. I don't think Shanahan wants to sacrifice what makes this roster what it is, is the physical running. And if they have to, maybe they do trade him and, and they get some value out of him again. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think it's something to keep an eye on during the offseason and, and training camp moving forward because, again, he's very talented, but this 49er team is not going to sit sit around and say, oh, maybe we should cut back on our physicality. No, they want to hit you in the nose. They want to bloody your lip. That's 49ers football, man. So we'll see. I think there there could be something happening maybe down the line. If if they are going to trade someone, to me, he's a candidate, like, like we said with Juwan Jennings, maybe down the line. But um, I think Mitchell's a guy that if – they had to make a trade i don't think they'd be opposed to it but we'll see what happens um yeah it's, it's gonna be exciting man
0: i agree i agree definitely
1: yeah so i think that pretty much wraps us up for tonight rohan anything else that you got going tonight later this week let the niner fans know
0: yeah man i mean uh obviously recently streaming has been not as not as much you know trying to preserve um, a couple of a couple of days a week just so that we can get a better you know a better show when we when we when we come out with them so glad I was able to hop on with you today had one earlier with Marco if you guys um, want some more 49ers content be sure to go check that out link is in my description you can go search up my name on YouTube later this week got one with John Chapman tomorrow a fun show that uh, should be a cool one in the afternoon and then obviously the action really kicks off next week when training camp comes along, going to be doing what I did last year, having a stream every day that training camp is there, detailing what I saw that day. I'm sure, that Raj will do the same as well when he's out there. So it'll be a great time. Be sure to tune into both of our channels. Be sure to hit the, link, uh, the like button on our videos. Subscribe and make sure you stay in with, stay tuned in with the content.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I'll be live next week at training camp, just like you. And then I got to work. And then when I come back, eventually in the evening. I will be live streaming um, and talking about my experience with training camp and give you my intake. So maybe next week we can link up and and do some shows together, um, do a little collab live stream. I'm sure that everybody's going to want to do all the collabs next week. That's when the nitty-gritty starts next week. I'm excited. I will see you at training camp, Rohan. And if you guys are going, I will see you, ladies and gentlemen, at training camp. Wear red and say what's up, man. I don't bite. Rohan doesn't bite. Say what's up to us. And, uh, you know, take a flick. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see all the Niner fans. Let's go, man. Enjoy your rest of your week. And tomorrow night, I'll be live with Larry Kruger at 4 p.m. Pacific. Um, I'm going to pick his brain. I'm going to call him out on the Juwan Jennings thing. That's what we'll do. So, y'all have a good rest of your night.
0: 100%. Yes, sir.